the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. Hi, this is Denny O'Neill. My name is Neil Adams. This is Paul Dini. Hi, my name is Dan DeDio. This is Kevin Conroy. Hey, this is Francis Maniple. Hi, this is Jim Lee, and you're listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. Welcome to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast, episode number 166. I'm your host, Dustin, and today I have with me... This is Ed. And unfortunately, after the dogging that I gave Stella throughout the entire last episode, she unfortunately has decided to give us her letter of resignation. She will no longer be on the comic cast. That's sad news. It is, but unfortunately, I'm just messing with you, the audience, and... I'd already knew, but uh, still is <laughs> still is on uh, vacation this week. Um, after San Diego, she needed a week to take some time for herself. So, uh, with all of the news that we covered from San Diego on the last episode last week, uh, we have just two books that we're actually going to be doing in-depth reviews of. But our spotlight is ginormous. So, uh, and then we'll get we, have, we do have some listener Q and As. Even though it was such a brief time, I appreciate those listener Q and As. So. Let's get straight into our comic reviews, because like I said, there was no new news from the time we recorded up until now. So, without further ado, let's get into our first book, Batman number 42. Batman number 42, writer Scott Snyder, artist Greg Capullo. Super Heavy, part two. Um, this issue opens up with Jim complaining to uh, Julia Pennyworth about the lack of a Batmobile in his life, as well as some of the difficulties associated with quitting smoking. Uh, Julia has the lights turned up and introduces him to his Bat Truck, a mobile command center that he is able to be also controlled via remote control. Alarm goes off just at, at this point from a Bat app, which is a is like a smartphone app that lets people check in and, and tell something where they need the Batman's attention at, and if they get enough uh, calls from help from an area, then they can send out Batman. Uh, the call this time is coming from the Narrows. Uh, when Jim gets there via blimp, uh, he is conf- he is confronted uh, Gigi Hung, who is the leader of a triad-like gang in the Narrows, who was always just a normal criminal, but now has the superpower to turn blocks and concrete and brick and everything else uh, into weapons and, and use them in any way he wants, it seems. Uh, we then flash to a scene with Batman and Commissioner Sawyer, where they are sh- where they are showing each other several dead bodies in the morgue, and they found out the east of them has like a seed implanted in the heel, and that the seed was giving the people that had them implanted superpowers. But in the end, the radiation from the seed also killed them as well. But with each attempt, it seems like the person that's doing this is getting better and better at their craft, and it seems like he's trying to build a build your own superpowers kit. Uh, for sale on the black market. Uh, Batman asks to stay informed, but Commissioner Sawyer lets him know that she can't do that. All the information has to go through the Powers Corp. Uh, this isn't the day of Batman the Vigilante anymore. This is the day of Batman the Deputy. Uh, and then back to the fight from the beginning of the issue, and we, we see that they calculate the force needed to destroy the, uh, the building products monster. But as the fight progresses, Batman ends up in the harbor, but he calls the Bat Truck to plunge in the water and destroy the creature that was being created. Batman then questions Gigi, who is, you know, dying in front of him at this point. It looks like the radiation is getting the best of him. And he gives him the name of Mr. Bloom as the person who's giving out the powers before he, he dies. Uh, back of the cave, we see Jim ask Julia if she worked for the real Batman. And she kind of sort of admits it, but lets him know that, yes, she did. And they have a conversation about what Batman was and what he can be in the future. And at this point, we kind of flash forward to... um. A facility looks like a children's center, maybe at a hospital, where we see Duke Thomas, who is asked by some of the others if the real Batman is gone. Just then, Bruce Wayne walks by. Dick calls him Mr. Wayne, and Bruce asks him to just call him Bruce. We see Bruce talk to Julie Madison from Zero Year, and then Bruce goes to the art supply room to get her some more clay, where he runs into Jim Gordon, who tells Bruce that he is the Batman, and the two of them need to talk. Next issue, Bruce is back. Well, there's two pretty obvious questions here. We're going to skip the, leave the, the big elephant in the room for the second question. And the first question that I kind of had when I read this was, 
it seems like we're finally getting a setup here for this Mr. Bloom story, which from what we heard at San Diego and other things on the internet is going to be an original villain for Gordon. And my question is, one, what do you think of the setup for Mr. Bloom and does he sound interesting? And kind of a little tack onto that is, would you rather see new villains for Gordon or would you rather see him face some more classic monsters as Gordon as Batman? You know, here's, okay, well, first part of your question, do I think that the setup for Mr. Bloom is interesting? You know, it's kind of hard to say. I mean, we don't know a whole lot. I mean, the fact that we've seen him on the cover of number 43 with the solicitations, the fact that he's this, you know, kind of skinny looking guy, uh, with the flower over his face. Okay. I mean, we, we don't know anything really about him, but at the same time, we have the, uh, at the same time, we have, you know, he's using seeds. So they're kind of going that route and using that kind of perspective of what his thing is. So I'm wondering if at some point Mr. Bloom will have some sort of issue with Poison Ivy. I, I mean, like, to a degree, I'm fine with Scott Snyder creating original villains, regardless of whether they're for Bruce Wayne or Jim Gordon. But at the same time, I feel like the plant shtick has kind of already got a huge player in, in Gotham. So I'm not real sure they need to go that route. Um, as for original villains specifically for Go- uh, Gordon, I, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem one way or the other. I think that the best villain and the ultimate villain for Gordon would be actually be Two-Face. Because, yeah, you know, they, they, they work together, you know, that would be the best villain for Gordon. Now, obviously, Two-Face is presumably dead or maybe not dead. We don't know what happened to him after he appeared in the Batman Robin story, and that was over a year ago. But, um, in that, that's the villain that I think would be the best villain for Gordon. But, you know, if it's an original villain, as long as it's unique enough where it's not going to be like, well, this is a male version of Poison Ivy, and instead of controlling plants, he just genetically engineers them to do whatever he wants, which I feel like that's probably going to be the case. But nonetheless, you know, I, I, I'm waiting and seeing to see what happens with this this character. The basic gist is I hope it's not just an arms dealer, Poison Ivy, male ripoff slash Slenderman ripoff as well. You know, I, I just hope it's something unique. You know, Snyder has done well with unique, you know, his own creations in the past. Black Mirror was an interesting story. Given Jim, James Gordon Jr. wasn't an original, but he, you know, repurposed that character in a unique way that nobody ever really did before. Um, Court of Owls was his own original story. I think it, I've had more problems with some of the ones that he's dealt with, established villains like the Joker and things like that. I think I've had more problems with his when he works on established characters rather than his original creation. So I'm interested to see what happens, and you know, at least we're getting a little build up to it. You know, we know where that's the direction they're going, but at the same time, we're not spending too much time not focusing on all this other stuff like Gordon just coming into his own. Yeah, I, I think I'm a, I'm a lot in the same boat as you, which is I, I really want the story to be good. And I guess the other question, which we don't really have a definitive answer to, is how long will Gordon be Batman, right? I mean, if you tell me he's going to be Batman for a year... Maybe I do want to see some of the classic villains because it might be it might be interesting to see Gordon's take on being Batman versus Scarecrow slash slash slash. Um, but, but I do think the idea of Mister Bloom being something unique is important. If you're just going to make any type of knockoff character, just use the original character. You know, there's no there's no point in, in going down the other way. Um, it would be very interesting to see Gordon with his own unique Rogues Gallery, and maybe that's something that'll follow him because. Even when he leaves the bat suit, assuming, and we're all assuming that's going to happen in a short amount of time, who knows? We may be talking about the Jim Gordon Batman in five years. But when he does leave the bat suit, I mean, Gordon won't leave the Batman universe. It's not like he's going to go away, you know? So if, if he develops some of his own adversaries, that could also be very good for setting up stories down the road where we get to see, you know, this is something that Gordon has an axe with and, and stories that will focus him more in, in the bat book. So. I do kind of like the idea of that, too. But I, I do think that this is interesting. I think the setup is enough to make me kind of have one eyebrow raised and go, okay, let's see what we're doing here. But unfortunately, although most of the book actually dealt with that, I think the end of the book kind of stole the show, honestly. Um, Bruce is, is back. And he seems to have all his memories. I mean, he knows he's Bruce Wayne. Um, he's hooking up with his old girlfriend, uh, that he, you know, at one point said he didn't have time for. 
everyone seems to know that he's alive. It doesn't seem to be a secret that he's alive. People call him Bruce Wayne. He's walking around. Uh, he's got the, you know, the lumberjack look, as, as Scott Snyder put it, going on. What's going on here? What do you think about this end scene? I mean, where do you think we're going with this? Okay, so there's there's two things that I immediately thought about when I saw this, you know, this this last couple pages of the issue. The first thing I thought to myself is, you know, we know we jumped three months into the future from the, you know, from the end of Endgame to the beginning of Super Heavy. We know that there was a three month gap. We don't know exactly what happened, but at the end of Endgame, everybody assumed that Bruce Wayne was dead. We saw Julia and and uh, Alfred at the very end of Endgame, you know, kind of discussing the fact that Bruce was dead. But here's the thing. Ever since this three-month gap that, you know, we've come back and we're focusing on Jim Gordon, we haven't seen Alfred at all, which I find kind of odd, extremely odd in a way, because it seems as if, why haven't we seen Alfred? The fact that Julia was so easily, well, I mean, like, at least the way they showed it was she was kind of there. We, We talked about this last month, you know, could she actually be there as a plant? Lucius suggested her for the job. Is she there as a plant, you know, to make sure things go according to the way, you know, Batman would want them to go, the real Batman would want them to go? We don't know because we don't know what happened in that three-month gap. And maybe that's what kind of Snyder is banking on is the fact that because there's this time gap, you know, there's a bunch of questions that we will get answers for over time, but but that's what we're going to be getting answers for, not... Who's the big bad, like we've seen, like at the end, you know, with Court of Owls and right. some of the other events that have occurred. Um, it's not, it has nothing to do with necessarily what's, you know, it, I'm looking at Snyder's stories and like with Court of Owls, the end of the story, you know, the, the ending was, oh, it's Lincoln March. Is this or is this not his, you know, his, his brother or whatever? And then it was Death of the Family. And it was it, it was, is it or is not, right. or d- does or does not Joker, is he lying about the fact that he, you know, knows where the Batcave is and knows everybody's secrets? And even going back to Black Mirror, Black Mirror was at the end, you know, James Gordon Jr. It was, is this kid bad or is he not bad? And then at the end, we get the answer. So with this, it's kind of like, I, I feel like it's kind of like Zero Year in a way where Zero Year was this story where the the main focus of what the question that we were going to be answered with at the very end of the story was that little bit that was at the beginning of every issue. You know, there was the hints of what was to come at the end of zero year, you know, with the, the one or two pages that we saw hinting at different things. That's where we were first introduced to Duke Thomas, uh, the overgrown Gotham city, things like that. That's the stuff we saw at the very beginning, but then it eventually, you know, it changed and it was, it took a different route. And I feel like this is this, you know, the same thing where, where the, the question of it is, what is going on with Bruce Wayne? What is really the reason why he's around? You know, we have a gazillion questions about Bruce Wayne oh, yeah. when it comes to this. So that's what it's all about. It's not about, you know, anything to do with Jim Gordon. The story in some ways is overshadowed by Bruce Wayne and it's almost as if even though Jim Gordon's in the bat suit, even though the majority of the story is about him in the bat suit, nobody really wants to know anything except for what's going on with Bruce Wayne. And I feel like Snyder's doing it in a way where it's, you know, people are not turned off by the fact that Bruce Wayne's not in the suit because Bruce Wayne's still kind of the main focus unintentionally. Or, well, maybe intentionally on Snyder's part, but unintentionally as far as page count and focus of the actual story goes. So, you know, so that, that was my first thing. It was a question of, you know, what exactly right, yeah. are we supposed to be questioning here? But then the other thing I had to wonder to myself is there was, there's, there's a couple odd things, you know, the fact that we haven't seen Alfred, the fact that there's really, there hasn't really been any mention of Bruce Wayne at all outside of these few scenes we've seen. You know, Bruce Wayne, you know, you, you said you, your description of, uh, Julie Madison was, it was the girl, it's his, you know, it's, his ex-girl, it's the, the girl, girl that he's hooking serious. up with. Yeah, that he's yeah. hooking up with. But I don't know that he actually is hooking up. I feel like she's all lovey-dovey about him because they portray it that way because even when he says what he says, you know, they show some hearts on the page and things like that, which is very unlike anything we've seen from Snyder before. Yes. But he, he, ref- he references to her as, yes, boss, Lady Julie Madison or something in those words where it's, it's like either he's being flirtatious and coy or he legitimately is like out of it. 
but he knows his name is Bruce Wayne, which if he knows his name is Bruce Wayne, then it makes sense that, you know, he would know that he has a butler named Alfred. Now, given we also know that he lost everything that he had in Eternal, and we didn't really see a whole lot of ramifications in a lot of other books dealing with that, other than what happened in Eternal and the stuff that spun out of Eternal with, you know, Arkham Manor and, you know, Catwoman and some of the other books that were dealing directly with the effects of Batman Eternal. So he could be broke as a joke, and he has got nothing, and, you know, now he's just turned his life to helping out with charities. I feel like this is some sort of charity, not necessarily a hospital, because uh, Duke Thomas, you know, as we saw in We Are Robin, he's been in and out of the foster center, and Leslie Tompkins was involved with Duke Thomas in that book. So I'm surprised that Duke is just planted here in front of a bunch of kids as if he's supposed to be some sort of, I don't know, mentor to them or something, but the kid yeah, is kind of strange, shown in right? VR Robin is going off the deep end. So I don't know if there, there's a disconnect there, but you know, what it comes to me as far as, you know, what is going on, the one major question I immediately thought of when I was, when he was referring to himself as Bruce Wayne, but Jim Gordon approaches him and says, you know, I'm Batman. I'm sitting here thinking to myself, holy crap is Snyder implementing his clone project that he established in Detective Comics number 27. I think that could be something there. I don't, I mean, like, I don't know if this is the case, but wouldn't it be crazy if we found out that as soon as Bruce Wayne died, something happened where immediately this other clone just went poof, popped out of the tube, knows he's Bruce Wayne, but doesn't know anything else. And that's why he's doing what he's doing. He's got no money. He has to learn everything from scratch, but people know what he looks like. But he doesn't really understand everything behind the scenes. Because that's the only thing that I had to wonder to myself. was like, you know, it, this would be nuts if this actually happened. And then we've got a clone Bruce Wayne walking around. And then what happens if we're actually led to believe that this clone is actually supposed to be the real Bruce Wayne, only to be swerved a year from now, or a year and a half from now, or two years from now, when Snyder ends up sticking around past number fifty, <laughs> and we find out that the clone is actually the 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 new Bruce, or, you know, the new Batman, but the old Batman is is out there still alive in a cave somewhere. Batman versus Batman, yeah, Bruce exactly. versus Bruce. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something that it, like immediately popped in my mind when I when I was reading this, I was thinking, oh, man, I really hope we're not going this route. Not that I think it could be bad, but I think that eventually it would end up being Batman versus Batman and not Jim Gordon versus Bruce Wayne. But I think it would end up being Batman versus Batman in some weird way where it would be like the clone versus the original. And I just feel like that'd be that's so far outside of what I would want to be reading that I don't want to see it. I hope we don't see that either. I do think that one of the points you made is is something that I definitely felt in the book, which was I don't think there's any doubt that the Bruce part of the story seems to be taking over the book. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's by far the more interesting part of the story. And it's not that the Jim Gordon parts are wrote bad or anything, you know. But the reality is, if you're reading Batman comics, you probably want to know what happened to Bruce Wayne. Um, I'm not sure what's going on here. At some point, you know we're going to get the inevitable flashback to the three months, right? Oh, yeah. Uh, I mean... It's going to happen, and and, it, and at, now it seems with last in issue we had the the uh, the park bench scene at the end, right? Yeah. Now when the guy was like Mister Wayne, there wasn't a shock at all. It's just someone who noticed the old used to be rich Bruce Wayne hanging around the city. You know, I mean it, he's not in hiding. Um, we don't know where Alfred is, uh, or anybody else for that matter. Um, I mean it, it's just a very weird thing. And again, I have to wonder about. You know, is he, does he have no memory? It, it, I mean, does he not want to be Batman anymore? Is, if he's not a clone, is Joker still alive? I mean, there, there's a lot to, to ask yeah. there. And I, and I guess my fear is, is that the Mr. Bloom story, and although, you know, every time we say something like this, Slider normally makes it very interesting. I mean, we can criticize some of the, of the direction, and we do, and I, and I agree with some of that, but he always makes it interesting. Yeah. You know? I'm sure that this will tie up in a bow, but right now it has a lot of, what is going on here? You know? Um, I do hope the clone thing just doesn't, I don't want to see that, man. Uh, I don't, but, but he definitely has, and you know, his hints often turns into story, you know? Um, so this very much could be kind of the flashback, flash forward thing, but 
the story is really interesting. I'm just wondering now how much longer we'll get to see Gordon. Because if Bruce is in the comic, is Gordon's time going to be really limited? I don't know. But it was certainly an interesting issue. But but let's ha- let's ask this question though. What? Why is Gordon going to Bruce Wayne? Well, I mean, he know. Here's a quick. You think he knows he was Batman? Well, that's the million dollar question, right? Like, I mean. He either has to know he's Batman because it's not like if Bruce was still rich, I would say, oh, it's the Batman Inc. thing, right? Like, you know, he's going for supplies or, yeah. or whatever. But he's but but he's not. I mean, I'm assuming he's not rich. He seems to be, you know, having a severe depression beard, you know, and and wandering around getting clay for some old girlfriend. So I don't think that Rich is on on his on his mind anymore. Um. I, I mean, the only logical thing is that he knows he's Batman or that he knows he was involved with Batman. But other than that, why would he... Because Jim Gordon being Batman is still supposed to be a secret, right? Yeah, like, yeah that's so, the weird part. So if, if if Bruce is just like some rope-a-dope ex, ex-rich guy, I mean, I think the only thing that would make sense is if, if he knew Bruce was the original Batman, right? Yeah, I mean, like... I, I was trying to figure out what the reasoning could be, and like you said, there unless he knows, there's not a whole lot of reasons why he would reveal it. I mean, like, the Batman Incorporated thing is the only thing that comes to mind when I'm thinking about it. You know, the fact that Bruce Wayne publicly was funding Batman, Wayne Enterprises is now, you know, nothing. They They own absolutely nothing. Powers Corporation owns everything that was Wayne's. And... You know, maybe Gordon is going to Bruce to get some sort of, I don't know, insight on Powers Corporation or something like that. I don't know. I mean, like, but, wh- but why would he walk in and say, "I'm Batman"? I, I mean, know. I don't. I mean, know. That, I mean, the, other, the only I'm trying, to, I'm trying to, you know, there is one other thing that I don't know. The world now knows, post Forever Evil, that Dick Grayson was Nightwing. Yeah, who was who was a known associate of Batman. Yeah, right. So, and it's a kind of public knowledge that Grayson was the ward of Bruce Wayne. Maybe there's a connection there. I mean, I don't know. I, I feel like, you know, we've talked about this multiple times, more specifically when we talk about Batgirl, like how does Jim not know that his right. daughter is Batgirl? <laughs> I mean, come on now. But I mean, like, being around Batman for as long as he has and being so close to Batman, you would assume that he does, but they've never actually shown it. So maybe they are going to finally show it, but in some ways, does that diminish the... Or diminish the, you know, the, you know, kind of like untold secrecy between the two of them. I think it, you know, I think it's going to depend because in the last story in game, we finally had the question answered directly by Snyder, which is, does Joker know who Batman is? Yeah. Right. So maybe he's, I don't know. I don't know if it diminishes now, but I guess the other, the other thing is if he knows he was Batman, I guess this has to, the other question is, and the, the one you'd have to know before you could really make a real answer was, why doesn't Bruce want to be Batman anymore? Yeah. You know, like, what is it that has made him seemingly just throw in the towel? Because he doesn't appear, I mean, from the artwork, he appears to still be in good shape. He seems to be moving around. It's not like he's injured. He, he we, we, we had thrown the amnesia idea around, but he knows he's Bruce Wayne. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, I guess it could be partial amnesia too. I mean, that's a possibility. But where's Alfred? He's blocked out everything that has to do with Batman. Maybe, like Alfred, said, maybe, maybe Alfred just was like, "Well, I lost my hand. I'm going on vacation. I'll see you in a year." And he's just been sitting in Italy in Florence, waiting at that coffee table for Bruce to yeah. show up. Well, and this is the last thing I'll touch on this comic book. You just brought up something made me think something. So remember how Alfred? And I never liked this part of Endgame. Didn't want to have his hand reattached because Bruce yep. wasn't around anymore. Yep. So if Bruce, <laughs> so Bruce is around, but he still doesn't have his hand. Isn't he going to be a little like bent out of shape when he realizes he didn't get his hand put back on and Bruce is still around? I mean, just beers thinking about that's all. Sorry, Mister Wayne, I can no longer mend you. You were gone for too long of a period of time. But, and My how long was he gone? Decomposed. I mean, because think about this. Three months is what you said is what they tell us he's gone, right? Three months. But he's back here and nobody is surprised, like, oh my god, it's Bruce Wayne, right? So he's had to be back for at least conservatively, say, a month, six weeks. So he was gone for six weeks, maybe, on the outside? Yeah. Uh, curiouser and curiouser. Questions upon questions. Alright, so Batman number 42, I'm gonna give a total of four out of five batarangs. 
I'm also giving it four out of five. As, as much questions we have, it's, it is very enjoyable to read. It's a good read. Yeah, I, I, I'm liking this a lot better than Endgame, in my opinion. And I'm, I'm also liking it a lot more than Death of the Family. So, and, and Zero Year to that, that point. I, I'm enjoying this more, and I don't know if it's just because it's more of just, you know, these small-based stories. I mean, in a way, it's a, it's a larger arc, obviously, but the issues in some way, in a lot of ways, are self-contained. Which I'm enjoying. So yeah, no, I, I like having both in the issue. I like having a self-contained story and a large dark. It's well, it's well crafted in that way. Yes. All right. And over on the website, Corbin gave it four and a half. So that's going to give Batman number forty-two a total of four out of five bad ranks. Let's move into our next book, Detective Comics number forty-two. Detective Comics number forty-two script or story by Francis Manipul and Brian Buccioletto. Uh, script by Brian Buccioletto and art by Fernando Blanco. Uh, the issue starts off right where the last issue ended, where Jim got blown off a roof with a rocket launcher. Uh, as the La Morte, the La Morte gang is holding down, uh, part of the police force. They're trying to specifically attack certain parts of Gordon's suit so that they can disarm it. They take out his kneecaps so he can no longer move. And they're about to shoot a, like, uh, like electrical bolt from a crossbow so that they can short-circuit his suit. Uh, Gordon turns on some lights and blinds them so that the arrow misses. And then they decide they're going to abort. They decide to take off. In the process, Gordon gets out of his giant robo-suit and they, he talks with Montoya and Bullock about what exactly they're going to do. They say they're going to talk to the Lamorte gang member as soon as he wakes up, if he ever wakes up. Uh, the suit gets taken back up into the bat blimp and Gordon takes off. Uh, then we see back at GCPD headquarters, Commissioner Sawyer is telling the entire GCPD staff, sla- I mean, all the officers that everybody has to be involved with the circus thing that's coming to town, um, that they're going to run an emergency drill to make sure that nothing goes wrong, blah, blah, blah. Um, some of the cops, including Detective Keys and Alvarez, who we know from Catwoman, are kind of pissed because Major Crimes is somehow being linked into this, and they have tons of other things that they sh- could be working on instead. Sawyer doesn't want to hear about it and says it's going to happen no matter what. After Alvarez and Keys kind of crack some jokes about some things having to do with uh, the Batman, Bullock gets upset, walks out, Montoya follows him out and says, listen, maybe it's time for you to uh, be, uh, you know, there's a divide in the department. There's always been, there's the straight cops and the crooked cops. And, you know, maybe it's time for you to speak up and say what you think. He kind of brushes her off and says, you know me better. I'm not a snitch. I'm not a, I'm not a snitch. I'm not going to talk about that stuff. Um, we then cut to him and Yip going home. Bullock kind of telling Yip everything there is to tell about Montoya. We see Montoya at the hospital checking on the Lamorte uh, body, and he's kind of in and out of coma. Uh, the Lamorte gang is actually watching from the building from uh, across from the hospital, and they're trying to make plans as what to what to do next. Bullock gets a phone call in the middle of the night from the boss man, otherwise known as Jim Gordon. He walks outside, has a beer with uh, Gordon, and they talk about how the police aren't really respecting the fact that that uh and they're not really respecting the Batman regardless of who it is, even though they don't know who it is inside. They both get a phone call. They have to go into work. Um we then see Bullock, Montoya, and Yip uh kind of sitting off waiting for backup, which is Batman. Um we f- we see Yip say she has to take a phone call. Montoya comments on how she gets a lot of private calls. Uh, Bullock actually hands his, hands Montoya a phone number and says, can you look into this? Uh, I'm going to go get a donut. Batman pops in, uh, goes to chase the Lamorte gang, and uh, he says, it seems like they've been waiting for us. Um, they must, you know, they're basically waiting for me. Um, as they land on three, uh, the Lamorte gang, st- each one of them stands on a small water tower on a roof. Uh, Batman lands on the roof. They blow the water towers, and the water engulfs Jim in the suit. 
Um, and then they decide to shock him. As they shock him, they, you know, they call for backup. The police are going in and there's no way they're going to be able to get to him in time. The Morte gang is going in to, you know, attack. Uh, Jim decides he's going to get out of the suit and says, if you want a street fight, you've got one. Next month, Lamorte Dway or Do Batman. Hmm. Lamorte Do Batman. So, all right, I don't have a whole lot of questions regarding this, but the the first one is we see a little bit more of Yip. You know, we have uh, some. You know, there's uh, some points where Jim, when Jim and Bullock meet outside of Bullock's building, Gordon actually asks, "Do you trust Yip?" And Bullock says, "I don't trust anybody." You know, I, I there's I I just don't. And we see that he, in fact, is investigating Yip, you know, so he's not going to be taken as a complete fool, which was what we were all afraid of last <laughs> it's month. Up, that's where we're going, yeah. Yeah, so we were all afraid of that, so it looks like he's got that under control. Um, but as far as this La Muerte uh, gang, I, I, you know, g- given the characters that we have Jim facing in Batman, characters that actually have some power, whatever it may be, whether it be... 41 or 42, the characters that he's dealt with in both of those, they have some sort of power. These characters, they don't have any powers. They literally just, they're just a gang of characters who dress up like, you know, skeletons and they have guns and explosive devices and somehow they're outsmarting Batman. What do you think of that? Uh, well, it depends. Um, they don't seem to be a real A-level foe, right? I mean, I guess the only thing I, I can put this up to is it seems like all the characters in this book, Bullock, Montoya, Gordon, all seem like they're, they really don't have their eyes on what's going on right in front of them. You know, they, they seem to be very distracted, but the, uh, the force in this book really shouldn't be something that is a serious threat, at least not as serious as it gets here. Um, I'm assuming the reason we see it the way it is is just so it seems like, it's a credible threat, right? <laughs> I mean, it, that it's, that it is, but this should not be a threat to Batman. Now we can take this as, you know, we do see that some of the cops are kind of getting on Gordon for the, this Batman ain't as good as the last one type deal. And maybe that's what's, that is what they're trying to show us in the story here. And if they're trying to do that, then, then bully for them. If they're trying to say, Hey, this is a, this is a Batman who, who is a Bruce Wayne, who isn't settled into being Batman yet and still has a long way to go before he is anything close to the old Batman. And, and if you look at the learning curve that Bruce had and the training he went through and, and I mean, just look at where he was in zero year in, in his early new 52 to where he got up by in the death of the family or end game. There is a big learning curve to be that kind of Batman. So my hope would be that, that they were showing this on purpose and they're trying to, they're, you know, they're trying to show us that it's a long way to become Batman. I'm hoping that's the case too, but I feel like, you know, the fact that he just dropped a $15 million bat truck or whatever on, <laughs> There's that. On, on a character in the last issue. And this, this time he literally is taken out by some water towers and electrical charge. It's kind of sad, but you know, I understand that the focus isn't necessarily supposed to be on Batman in this story. You know, uh, Manipul and Buccioletto, ever since they've been on the book, they have made Bullock kind of the main focus of their title or at least half of the main focus when Bruce was around and he was doing detective work as well. But Bullock is kind of the main focus here. And I have to wonder to myself, you know, this is the second issue now that they're hinting at this thing happening with the circus. It's almost as if they're foreshadowing something horrible is going to happen at the circus, despite the fact that the entire GCPD is going to be at the circus. Um, But we have Batman being taken out by this, this gang of characters. Um, this is more of a question about, do you think, that, okay, I'll just ask the question. The question is, Manipul and Buccioletto obviously had a plan for what they were doing in the pages of Detective Comics from the very beginning. Huh? You know, they had, they were, they, you know, they had something to do with a gang. They had that girl. I don't remember either one of their characters, you know, the, yep, the motorcycle gang girl, yeah. all that stuff. Yep, yep. I can't remember any of the names because it really wasn't that memorable, but they had that. There was the annual that they dealt with calendar man and they introduced him. You know, they had they the had anarchy that, story, the anarchy story. They had Mad Hatter. You know, there was all kinds of stuff that they dealt with. And I, I, I wonder if you feel as if they kind of got put in this position where they had to change whatever they had planned because of what Snyder was doing in the pages of Batman. Oh, they, they totally got kneecapped. Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, I, I, listen, they, they were telling something, uh, and it seemed like that, 
uh, I can't remember the old character's name, but it was, it was the Congressman Sam, whatever Sam his name, Young. Sam, Sam Young. Young. Remember that built up from over a couple story arcs? Oh, yeah. You know, like, like they were definitely using pieces from story arcs and they were definitely building on a story. I mean, I don't think it's any surprise that they left the book. You know, I mean, if you're in the middle of something that was really, really good, and it was, you know, and I think, and I know you agree with me, we both felt like that that Anarchy story was chapter one of the new Anarchy, right? It was just just like the start of where we were going. I think we were all excited to see where that was going to end. I think maybe they felt like they got, like I said, like they got kneecapped, like right in the middle of doing something like, oh, man, that stuff is good, but just rework it so, you know, Jim Gordon's Batman, you know, and I could see it being like, wait a minute, what the? You know, and again, I hate to, I hate to bring up the continuity argument again, but let's be honest, they were telling really cool stories, and if we're really running continuity free, right? Just let them tell their story. I think who cares, right? I mean, if if, if we don't care about continuity, well, as we know, continuity not mattering only matters when it's when not it uh, you know not the same editor doing the books. That's the only time continuity doesn't matter because I'm sure that. There, I mean, look at all the bat books. They all flow together in some way. It's just, that's how it always is. You know, they're not always yeah. directly related, but they're always flowing in the same vein where we know the different things that are happening in one book. You know, they're, they're at least there existing in the other book, even if it's not the exact same. So, so that being said, my thing with this is I feel as if they did get their, you know, they did get kneecapped, like you said. Uh, but I mean, they—they they, I think they're still telling the Harvey story now. I've heard—I've seen some criticism online about the, their stories focusing on Harvey Bullock so much and how Harvey Bullock isn't that interesting of a character. And I, in you know, in you know, response to those comments, I have to sit there and say, okay, yes, Harvey Bullock is not the most interesting character, but that's more because nobody has made him an interesting character. We've learned, we've learned more about Harvey Bullock in, you know, Manipool and Buccioletto's run than we have learned about Bullock in God knows how many years. You know, do we ever know that he had, you know, he's a huge cat lover and he's got a bunch of cats and how he cares about his mother that much? No, we didn't. But did we really need to? Probably not. So I can understand to the, to, you know, to the degree of people saying he's not that interesting. But at the same time, why not expand, you know, the, you know, these characters that we haven't really focused on or we don't really know that much about. I don't have a problem with that. What I have a problem with is that it just feels like they're telling this story. They're just passing the time. They're going to, you know, the story will end. Someone will pick up where, you know, not necessarily where they leave off, but someone will pick up right in the middle of where Snyder is at with Gordon, which we know is going to be Peter Tomasi having Batman deal with the Justice League. And we'll see what happens from there. But like, realistically, it just feels like, this is just one of those stories where it it really is not going to end up meaning anything. Well, I, I think that it's probably because it didn't. I think it was probably because they they had to switch gears, right? They had to tell a story. I don't think it's a bad story, but I think it's kind of, you know, simmering. Now, here's the arguments I have about the Bullock thing, because I've seen that same things, too. For the first time, I think that Bullock is actually, I think he's becoming an interesting character because he's becoming a well-rounded character now, right? Like, if you're going to have Harvey... And how long has Bullock been around? Like, forever, basically. Oh, what yeah. it feels like. Right? Like, he's been there forever. So, I think it's it's actually much better that if we're going to have this character that's going to be around forever, and Gordon is now going to be no longer the go-to cop for the vigilantes, right? I think it's better to have Bullock a well-rounded character. Like, if before Manipo and Buccioletto, if I said, tell me some stuff about Harvey Bullock, what would you say? Uh, he smokes a cigar, drinks too much. You know, like, you know what I'm saying? Like... Yeah characteristics, but not like, now we can talk about, yeah, he loves his mom, kind of a cat guy. He, he, he has a girlfriend, but even though he likes her, he doesn't trust people. He, like, he's becoming a more well-rounded character. And I think that if that's the only thing we get out of this is, is just rounding out Bullock more, I think I could probably live with that. All right. So with that, Detective Comics number 42, I'm going to give a total of three and a half out of five batterings. Uh, I'm going to go four out of five batterings with the extra one for the art. I'm really going to miss the art team when they leave this book because they have been really, really good. All right. And over on the website, Corbin gave the issue four out of five. So that's going to give Detective Comics number 42 a total of four out of five batterings. That is all of our in-depth books. Let's jump straight over into our spotlight. All right. So there is a ton of spotlight books. So we're going to cover these 
with kind of bullet points, which is what I've said we're going to do in the past, but then we end up having, haven't done that. But more specifically, I'm going to only bring up things that happened that you really need to know about. So, first up, Batman Beyond number two, reviewed by Jim. He gave it three and a half out of five. Um, not a whole lot happened here. Barbara Gordon is still the commissioner. Ink makes an appearance. I'll leave it at that. Next, Midnighter number two, reviewed by Gary. He gave it three and a half. Um, again, not a whole lot happened here. It, I, and I, when I say not a whole lot happened, I'm saying like, if you want to, the reason why, the, the way I'm determining whether or not a lot happened or a lot happened is not whether or not the book was good or bad. So don't take it like that at all. What I mean by that is, is there any earth shattering event that you need to know about that you, that, you know, you won't be able to, you need to know about whether or not, you know, whether you continue to read the books and you need to know what's going on. That's what I'm talking about by bullet. Fair. What I, what, you know, if you want a detailed synopsis of any of these books, every single one of these books is reviewed over on the website. So you can go check out the synopsises. Our, our reviews have detailed synopsises of every issue so that you can keep up with everything that's going on. Those reviews are always posting the week of the book releasing. So if you head over on the weekend, you'll probably be able to see all of the reviews for all of the books that came out in that past week. So if you want to keep up with the books, that's where the best place to do it. All right. So moving right along. Uh, next Batmite number two, Batmite dealt with Hawkman for the majority of the issue. Uh, Ryan reviewed it. He gave it three and a half out of five. Uh, then we have Batman Arkham Knight number six, which includes digital chapters number 16 through 18 reviewed by Ryan. He gave it four out of five. And then we move into the next week of our reviews. And we have our Batman Superman number 22. Review two got two and a two out of five batarangs. You can check out the synopsis of that. Clark Kent is in Gotham City at this point. Um, then we have Catwoman number 42 reviewed by Gary. He got, he gave it three and a half out of five. Uh, Selena Kyle is dealing with spoiler in the issue as well as dealing with her investigating the death of Batman. Uh, next up, Gotham Academy number eight, reviewed by Gary. He gave it four and a half out of five. Uh, Olive is back this issue, so check it out. Uh, Red Hood Arsenal number two, reviewed by Gary. He gave it four and a half out of five. Uh, next up, uh, Earth Two Society, reviewed by Jim. He gave it a total of four out of five. Um, he described it as being slow paced, but it leaves you wanting more. Uh, next up, Justice League United. Ed, what happened? Anything important? Uh, Justice League United, number 11. Basically, if you haven't been keeping up on this book, this is an extreme soft reboot. Basically, we get a whole new Justice League United team. Uh, Mera, Etrigan the Demon, Swamp Thing, and Poison Ivy. Uh, so we do get some people from the, from the Bat Universe there. Batgirl does make a cameo there with Poison Ivy. Uh, but it's basically setting up a new team. And, uh, it's gonna be like Justice League Environmental. There'll be Swamp Thing, Poison Ivy, Mara, and, uh, the other characters. It's gonna be a very environmentally, uh, Facebook. Alright, and then Justice League of America number two. Three out of five from Ryan. What happened in that one? This is the continuation of the out, out of continuity Justice League of America number two. This is where the Kryptonian god Roe comes back. Uh, basically, He's this really great guy who is causing miracles, and he's got prophets running around healing people. Everybody loves him. Superman is totally buying in. Batman, as normal, is a little more cautious. And in the end, we see that uh, Olympus has been destroyed uh, with Diana, and it looks like that he's trying to destroy all other gods but him type deal going on. New Suicide Squad number 10, viewed by Jim. He gave it three and a half out of five. Uh, basically, the only thing that's really happening in this book right now is that part of the team is uh, dealing with an extremist brand that's an extremist group that's branched off from the League of Assassins, while the other part of the team is kind of waiting in the in the wind, waiting for them to get back a backup call. So that's the gist of what's happening there. Alright, moving into our next week, Harley Quinn number eighteen. I uh, got a uh was reviewed by Gary. He gave it three out of five. Uh basically Harley and her gang of Harleys is dealing with a character called Captain Strong, which is basically a uh, twisted version of Popeye, Popeye the Sailor Man, if those of you who are wondering. Um, Robin, son of Batman, reviewed by reviewed by Ryan. He gave it a total of three and a half out of five. What happened in this one? Um, 
this begins the the storyline kind of set or continues the storyline kind of set up in issue number one where Robin is going to go atone for all of his sins during the year of blood. Uh, we get a lot of, of Talia Damian flashbacks, which are actually really, really well done. And it looks like that nobody version 2.0 comes center stage here. And it looks like they're going to be teaming up to go and have Damien become a better person. So uh, actually this takes a pretty good step forward. Seems pretty interesting. All right, next up, Black Canary, reviewed by Corbin. He gave it a total of four out of five. Um, not a whole lot, just a continuation from the last story. Definitely check it out. It's it, it's a it's an interesting book. It's different if you like different stuff, if you want to see different art style. Looks normally, fantastic. What, yeah. yeah, than what we're normally accustomed to, check out Black Canary, number two. And then uh, we have Secret Six, number four, reviewed by Jim. He gave it two out of five. Now, the main complaint I've seen with not only... The, the review by Jim, but also the comments that I've seen on the review that people left is that people are trying to understand the placement of these books. They seem as if, uh, number four should have been number three. Number three should have been number four. They're not real sure what's going on. So, uh, that's Gail Simone for you. All right. Uh, and then finally, Justice League number 42 reviewed by Ryan. He gave it three and a half. What happened in this one? Well, this is a pretty simple continuation of the Dark Side War. Uh, Superman's on Apocalypse with Lex Luthor and Dark Side. Um, and, uh, and Dark Side is really looking forward to the confrontation we, we don't get to see. Uh, Scott, Mr. Miracle, finds the Mariana Black that everyone was looking for in the last issue. Turns out that she is, had a child with Dark Side and is in fact trying to start with a war with them. Metron, the man in the chair of knowledge, shows up, basically gets unseated by Diana. Batman ends up taking a seat. Uh, which means he has all the knowledge in the universe, and he find, he, he asks the chair who killed his parents, the chair gives him the right answer, and then he asks him, you know, who, what is the real name of the Joker? Uh, he responds with this kind of, like, terrified, well, that's not possible deal, uh, meaning that the chair has probably told him the name of the Joker, or at least certainly appears to, and it seems to be a name he recognizes, um, and then he declares himself a god, and that's the end of the issue. So, the Joker thing I thought was interesting, uh, I'm not sure where they're going to go with it, and I can't imagine that he'll get to keep that knowledge because I would think if we were going to re- reveal the Joker's name, that would be exclusively Scott Snyder territory right now. Those are all of our books. That is a lot of books, which we covered very quickly. But like I said, head over to the website for all of these books we're being reviewed. Um, as far as any other books that popped up, uh, the only other one outside of the, the we brought up Justly United. We didn't review that one on the website. Um, we probably won't. Uh, we, we will mention it because Poison Ivy was a part of it. I was looking at f- future solicitations, and it looks like Batgirl is going to somehow get pulled into that at, at some point too. I know she made a cameo huh. this this month, but uh, I was looking at it, and she's going to be somehow pulled into the mix because she appears in the solicitations at least for three different issues. Really. So, yeah, so we'll see what happens with that. Uh, but we also, also, just as a heads up, Superman, Wonder Woman, number 19, uh, Harley Quinn made a guest appearance in that issue as well. So check out all of these books. Uh, Justice United and Superman Wonder Woman are the only two that we don't have reviewed over on the website. But uh, all of the other books that we consider part of our spotlight, we do have reviewed over on the website. So be sure to check all those out. And, you know, do us a favor. When you're reading the reviews, leave comments for the guys who are reviewing those books. You know, a lot of work goes into writing those reviews week in and week out. Those guys sometimes have three books in one week to review. And I know that if when I'm writing news articles, when I see comments on my article posts, those are always really reassuring that people are actually reading them. So let those guys know that you're appreciating the fact that they're putting the work into letting you know what happens in these books so that you don't have to read them. All right. So with that, we're going to get straight into our listener Q&As. Boy, did you get a wrong number. Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. Uh, two real quick ones. The first one is from Don. He says, I love how by the ending, Stella was squawking because of how much Dustin was dogging on her. Yes, I was messing with Stella an awful lot in the last episode. But that was, we chalked it up to it was Wednesday. Yeah, we were recording on a Wednesday, which is very abnormal for us. We normally record on the weekends uh, when I have a lot less on my plate to do. And honestly, the longer that podcast went on, 
and the longer I knew I was going to have, the, the more I knew I was going to have to edit, uh, it just, it, it was a little slap uh, happy. Yeah. Slap happy. And, uh, <laughs> p- pick, pick on Stella time because Stella sometimes eggs me on to, uh, talk longer than I should specifically. And then, uh, then I, I end up having to pay the price because I edit the, the podcast and I wanted to make sure I got that out on time for you guys on Friday. So. Next, uh, Gary, he says, glad you guys are back early. Yes, that made my day. Thanks for the advice on Black Canary. I'll check out the Green Arrow stuff for sure. I've been loving the Gail Simone Birds of Prey and will keep digging into the books and podcasts that you mentioned. Also, good info on Gail Simone. Thanks. In reference to the discussion about Gotham Academy sales, I think that this book is safe even if it has modest sales numbers. It's so critically acclaimed it provides a lot of positive press coverage for the Batman universe. It also appeals to a completely different segment of the market, one which is underdeveloped and under, un, underserved. So I think that DC will hang in there with this title longer than they would otherwise. Though this might be magical thinking on my part because of how much I love Gotham Academy. Before I continue, let's talk about that for a second. I agree to, to, you know, to basically what, what you're saying. Gotham Academy does go to a completely different audience than a lot of the other DC books. It, and I think the, the lower sales numbers doesn't necessarily, you know, I don't think it does affect it because when you look at books like, Scooby-Doo, they, you know, Warner Brothers, uh, DC still does a Scooby-Doo book every single month. And so I think they actually do two Scooby-Doo books, but those books, they sell less than 10,000 issues a month, but they keep doing them. They keep doing them because they need to have something that's there for the kids. You know, they don't have as much as they ha- have had in the past. You know, they, they've had tie-in series to the, the, ser- uh, the cartoon series, but now there are no cartoon series. There's, there's a Teen Titans Go comic that they still produce, but there's not a whole lot that they actually produce for kids nowadays. Gotham Academy isn't necessarily directly a kid's book like Scooby-Doo would be, but it's kind of bridging the gap. It's like the young reader or the young adult type comic, in my opinion. No, no, you're, listen, listen, I, I hope you, I, I hope they don't ax the book as, as someone who has a, a daughter, a younger daughter who reads quite a bit. This is a perfect bridge book. I, I hope they do keep it around. I think that the only reason it, I would have totally believed this comment a hundred percent ago, six months ago, but now we're seeing so many books with a change in tone. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You're seeing Batmite, you're seeing Starfire, which is now in that Harley Quinn type audience. Harley Quinn is a goofy book. Batgirl is absolutely for, I mean, everyone can read it, but it's absolutely for, like, my daughter gets way more into Batgirl and Gotham than Kevin than I do. I read Batgirl and I like it, but a lot of the hashtagging and stuff like that, like, I'm sounding ancient now. Right. But I'm like, what the, you know, um, I think if Gotham Academy was still like that rare bird, I would totally buy in with it. I hope it stays around, but with so much lighter tone stuff, I don't know if it's, if it's, do you know what I'm saying? Does that make any sense? Like, it does, but to, to, I have to kind of disagree with you because we know Batmite's a limited series. Sure. You know, Prez is probably a lighter book. Bizarro's a lighter book. You know, those are also books that are limited series. Starfire is an ongoing. Um, we have Harley Quinn and Batgirl is, is in that same vein as Gotham Academy, and to a degree that Black Canary is kind of like that too. A bit, yeah, yeah. But, I can see that. but I think the one thing that has go that that Gotham Academy has going for it is that it's set in Gotham, because as we all know, Batbook DC yeah. gives Batbook so much longer of a chance than any other books in their entire line. You know, they have canceled Supergirl. Which, which is staggering to me. Yeah, Just, which is absolutely nuts. You know, we talked, we, we briefly mentioned that last episode, knowing that they're coming out with a Supergirl TV series this fall. On network why, television. Yeah, why wouldn't they have a Supergirl comic series? That aside, it just is odd, but at the same time, a book like Gotham Academy, I don't know what the sales numbers for Supergirl was before, you know, right before they got 25. Canceled. Yeah, it was about 25, so it's literally like a thousand less than what Gotham Academy's averaging, but you know that Gotham Academy is going to be around for a lot longer. It's just that's how it works at it's DC. True. The Batman books, they have like this core audience and core customer base that will buy the the Bat books, and they have never ever really been able to succeed in any other area at DC with that. Like Green Lantern has you know three or four titles, Superman has three or four titles amongst the group, you know Justice League. As it's one title, well, but 
Justice League, Justice League United, just, I mean, now they're, you yeah, know. Yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of different Justice League books, but it's still, it's only like three or four, but the Labatt books have like 10 or 12. Oh, yeah. 15. And look I mean, at the first. It's insane. Like, oh, yeah. Green, Green Lantern got, got put way back. Like, they went from like, Green Lantern's up to like five or six books. Yeah. And now they're down to three. Yep. Um, and, and you see these other trees, like, every time they try to grow them out, um, if they try to make two, two Wonder Woman books, two Flash books, multiple, they always end up coming back down the tree, but the Batman books just keep getting bigger and bigger to there's a point where it's going to be, it's going to be 50% of the books are going to be in some way, shape or form related into the, into the Bat universe. Yeah. And it's getting, I mean, we, every time they announce a new slate of books, it, it always feels Batman. like we end up talking about that because half the books they announce are related to Batman in some way, shape or form. So now, now I will say this though. We may be re- reading totally what he, what, what, our, what Gary is saying totally wrong. Because uh, he says it's this magical thing in my part, maybe of how much I love GA, he could be talking about Green Arrow. So I I, I doubt that. I highly doubt that. But moving right along, <laughs> I agree that Grayson seems to have an expiration date on it. How long can they keep Dick as a secret agent outside of the rest of Gotham? However, the sales numbers are almost forty k a month, so it might be hard to leave those sales on the table. Story might trump continuity, but will it trump book sales? Now, in relation to this, I'm not necessarily saying that. Grayson will get canceled and they won't do something, you know, Dick Grayson won't have his own book. Grayson, I think, is one of those books where when they announced it, it was kind of like, wait, wait, what? But I've done that a lot over the last two years with a lot of these different directions that they've taken some of the books. I've done that a lot. But it ended up turning out really well. I mean, it's an interesting story, him being the secret agent. But again, I don't know that it's going to last. Now, when I said they would get rid of the Grayson story, I meant they would get rid of the Grayson and... Dick Grayson would just get his new series with whatever new character he's going to be. Yeah. You know, he's not probably, he's probably not going to go back to being Nightwing because they've demolished, you know, that the chances of that, but he could become somebody else and just take on that role. And then that's the new title. That's entirely possible. And I think that's what will end up happening. It'll go from being the book Grayson because it's not about, well, I mean, it's still Dick Grayson's book, but it'll be, you know, whatever his new character is. Azrael. You know, Azrael. God help us if it's Azrael. I don't. I don't know why you said that. <laughs> just just throw it out there. I don't know because he's coming to Gotham. You know, yes, the, yes, yeah. yes, yes. There's so many characters. Speaking of characters, Anarchy's coming to uh, Arrow. Arrow. And then we have Silver Saint Cloud also coming to Gotham. And of all the uh, female characters in the history of the Batman universe, yeah. they went with Silver Saint Cloud. They go, they have some weird choices. Azrael, I, I've, I've kind of deduced how they could use Azrael this early, but that's for a different podcast because sure. it's not here. All right. So moving on. I agree with Stella. I'm not looking forward to the killing joke. Yuck. If Mark Hamill is voicing Joker, it sets up a dilemma. Mark Hamill's Joker is so classic and PG while the killing joke is a filthy, dark hearted approach to the character. There will be a cognitive distance. Hearing Mark Hamill's voice as Joker and seeing what he does to Barbara. This is the book that ruined Joker for me. I hope it doesn't ruin the animated series too. Go Riddler. Great show. Hear you guys next time. All right. So just in relation to this, I have to say, you know, Stella said the exact same thing when it came to Joker about, you know, Joker's PG to the animated series, blah, blah, blah. I don't think that's necessarily true because if you've played any of the Arkham games, and I don't know that you have, Gary, I honestly have no idea. I, you know, if you have Int, maybe, maybe that's why you're, you know, you're, you've got Mark Hamill's voice associated only with the animated series. But because it's been such a long time since Mark Hamill has been in the animated series, don't get me wrong, anytime I see the Joker in animated form from the years that the, that show was on the air, I immediately think of Mark Hamill's voice. But that being said, I also have played the Arkham games and I associate Joker in the Arkham games as well. And there is some, there is some twisted stuff that happens in the Arkham games. Not, I mean, well, like we said, in the actual Arkham game, uh, the latest one, Arkham Knight, they actually depict the killing joke scene and Mark Hamill is narrating the entire scene. Oh yeah. So it's not entirely far fetched for him to do something like that. I think the difference will be, it's geared towards a different audience. I mean, the animated series was geared towards a very wide range audience. But had to be acceptable for kids. Yeah. That always it had, had to be that accept- caveat. Yeah. Yes, it had to be acceptable for kids, but adults could get into the stories as well. And at the same time, the animated movies, they're not 
I mean, they're rated PG-13 for a reason. You know, for the most part, they they make it very known that they're going, they, you know, they go in dark ways or they do different things that aren't necessarily kid-friendly. That's why they're animated movies and not cartoons. So, but same thing with the Arkham games. The Arkham games, the latest one was rated mature, which is supposed to be 17 and up. So, that being said, there's entirely, I mean, Mark Hamill, I don't think would be completely a Opposed to it, obviously, he has actually tweeted out that, that he, wants one, to do it, yeah. he wants to do it. So, that all being said, um, I don't know. You know, who knows? They could just decide to go in a different direction too, and not use the you know because if they use Mark Hamill, they have to use Kevin Conroy. They have to. Oh, yes, uh, and I'm really surprised too that we haven't got a new Joker since since we kind of have this continuity now with. Batman versus Robin, Robin, son of Batman, and another Batman, bad blood that's coming up where they're building like, uh, where they seem to be uh, take all the stories together as opposed to one offs, right? I'm really surprised we haven't had a Joker in that universe yet, really. I mean, death of the family. I mean, why, ha- you know, I mean. Well, it's only a matter of time. It's, I mean, it's, it's only a matter of time, but I don't know, like, I like Mark Hamill's Joker. I think he's really good in the Arkham games. And I think in the Arkham games, like, if you're making a really good point. If I hadn't played the Arkham games, and I had just gone off Batman the Animated Series, I would be vehemently opposed to it. Oh, yeah. It'd be like, oh, yeah. No way. I'd be like, no, no, no. That, but that can't work. But. It, it doesn't work. Yeah. But in, like, Arkham Knight especially, and in Arkham City and the rest of them too, but in Arkham Knight especially, like, he's got a real twisted sense to him. You know? Oh, yes. I mean, there's there is some scenes where it earns the... It, it didn't get that mature rating on accident. You know, I mean, it, it, it definitely earns the rating. It's not the violence that's going on in the game. Um, it, it's definitely due to the Joker and Poison Ivy's dress sense is a bit different in Arkham Knight. But I think if you, if you haven't played the Arkham games, you may not get it. Now, I encourage anyone who has it, go to YouTube and watch some of the cutscenes that are available for free. You know, yes. like, listen to how he does it. Um, and I, here's the other thing that I hate to say is I think that if he wants to do it, especially with Star Wars coming up, he's going to get to do it, right? Oh, yeah. Like, they're not going to be like, oh, Mark Hamill's a superstar again, because this, let's just be honest, this Star Wars movie is going to make a billion dollars. It's just going to oh, happen. Yeah. Just going to oh, yeah. I mean, and if he goes, I want to do the killing joke coming off Star Wars, where they can put it in, in you know, the, the, he probably would get top billing on the box, right? Mark Hamill as the Joker in the killing joke. You don't think that, I mean. Well, I don't, they don't give billing on the boxes for the you know voice actors. Like, I know what you mean. I know yeah. what you mean. Yes. I mean, that, that yes. would happen. I mean, and we'd hear about it. It would be all over Comic-Con next year. It'd be a big story. The Killing Joke, what, it was 25, 30 years old now. And they would probably get him to come to Comic-Con. To sure. It. And it could entirely be the be- next best-selling DC animated film because of that very reason. I mean, they'd oh, be yeah. dumb not to do it, honestly. But we'll have to wait and see. I, I honestly wouldn't mind if he did it. You know, if they decide to go in a different direction, I'm not going to hold it against them. I would... I, I know that he wants to do it. I would hope that they would do it too, especially after seeing what's happened in the Arkham games. But like Ed said, the best thing to do is if you if you don't know anything about what's happening in the Arkham games, strongly suggest checking out those cutscenes from Arkham Knight dealing with the Joker because the Joker for me was the best part of the game. Oh yeah, by far, by far. And like, don't get me wrong, he had some great parts in Arkham City and Arkham Asylum, but honestly, the stuff that happens in Arkham Knight is just it just tops. It's like best Joker stuff I've seen in a long time. That would have been a, if that, if that book, they would obviously have to been changes for it to be in continuity. But if that had been just wrote as like a six issue miniseries, it would have been really good. I mean, it's a really good story. The game is great fun, but it's really well done. All right. So that is all of our listener Q and A's. Obviously there wasn't a whole lot of time in between the time the the last episode posted and we're recording this. So there is some more time because we will be seeing you guys in two weeks to cover the last two weeks of July. Uh, we don't have any books that we'll be covering in depth, but we will be covering the spotlight books and there is a couple annuals at the la- at the end of the month as well. So, uh, as always, be sure to check out the website for all the latest news related to movies, TV, merchandise, video games, and of course the comics. Also be sure to check out all of our other podcasts. This past week, as you're listening to this, there's a bunch of other episodes that have posted from the other podcast feeds that we have on the website, including, uh, the, the normal TBU podcast, Back with Oracle, uh, the Bat Fans, and, uh, Bruce Wayne's World all do their San Diego recaps. Uh, this week, so be sure to check out all those episodes as you're listening to this, though they are all available. 
Also, uh, I encourage you to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. As I uh, mentioned in the last episode, Twitter is the best way to find deals and quick little tidbits of news, not necessarily worth an entire news article over on the website. Facebook group is the best place to discuss the articles and events that we mention on the website. And our Facebook page that we have is basically just to say you like the Batman Universe. There's nothing else. I mean, we post the articles, link, links to the articles, but there's nothing really that happens on over on that area of Facebook. It's really the group is where you do the discussions related to the news stories and things like that. Uh, Twitter is for the, the, you know, quick news briefs and keep you up to date. Um, but that's the best way to, you know, find the best avenue. So not just one avenue, but find the best avenue that works for you. Uh, in, in addition to that, I, as I mentioned in the last episode, we were looking for some new comic reviewers. And as I started thinking about this, I realized that it's not just comic reviewers. We're also looking for reviewers for movies, uh, specifically the animated movies. As they come out, we're looking for people to review those. Uh, we know that there's, there's two coming out in the next month. Well, three actually, because there's there just, the, yeah, well, there's just the Gods Among Us, which is the actual animated film, but then there's also a new Batman Unlimited animated film, uh-huh. and a new Lego Batman, or a Lego DC Superheroes film. So all three of those, uh, are new movies, but then we won't see anything for probably till next early 2016. But then in addition to that, we also have Gotham coming up, and we're looking for someone to review Gotham, um, every episode of Gotham as it airs. And as I mentioned, we're still looking for people to review comics. Um, and we're opening up the door to not just the books I mentioned on the last episode, but we're opening up to everything. If you're interested in reviewing, even if it is just one or two books or one book a week or something like that, let us know. Email us at tbu at thebatmanuniverse.net. And we will try to figure out a way for you to get involved with the, the website. Uh, we're going, we're going to be going into October here very soon. And when October comes, we're going to need a bunch of reviewers because we're going to be going into Batman Eternal, which adds four new books per month. Uh, we will also be having, uh, come December, the extra books for The Robin War. And we also have The Dark Knight 3 coming up as well. So there's a lot of stuff coming up that we will need to be covered over on the website. So now is the time to get on board to kind of get yourself in the groove of being, you know, getting in your schedule of reviewing books. So. I implore you to, to help out with this. All of the guys who have been doing a great job, they have been keeping you guys informed, but if you want to help keep the fans informed, that's your opportunity. So, that is all we have for this episode. Stella will be back next time, and uh, that's it. So, this is Dustin. This is Ed. And you've been listening to the Batman Universe Comic Podcast. We'll see you guys in two weeks. Two weeks.